You're listening to the HFO Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. Apartment owners who need to know trust HFO, the leading source for multifamily information in Oregon and Washington. Welcome back to HFO's Multifamily Market Watch Podcast. It's Monday, August 23rd. I'm Mike Pierce, HFO Research Analyst. The big stories from this past week. Update on the eviction moratorium from the landlord's perspective. The top 25 markets for forecasted multifamily rent growth have been released. How does Oregon and Washington stack up? New 2020 census data is coming out and shows the effects of lack of housing production. And lastly, construction spending rises as building materials turn more costly. We'll be back with the details on these stories and more in just a moment. HFO's podcasts are sponsored by the real estate and construction law firm of Janik LLP. HFO is your multifamily real estate firm in Oregon and Washington. Now on to our news briefing. An appeals court in D.C. has been asked to block Biden's retooling of the eviction ban. Opponents of the federal government pandemic-related eviction ban asked the federal appeals court Saturday to block the latest version of the policy, which the Biden administration rolled out under pressure after allowing an earlier version to expire. Landlords in two chapters of the National Association of Realtors asked the D.C. appeals court for an immediate action to prevent the enforcement of the memorandum issued by the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. The dispute, which seems certain to be resolved by the Supreme Court, looks like it may get a ruling from the D.C. Circuit Court this week. The real estate interests also asked the D.C. Court judge to act right away, citing remarks by President Joe Biden made last week, saying that reissuing the policy could keep it in force even while the courts ultimately ruled it illegal. As of the end of June, only 12% of the originally approved $25 billion in rental assistance has reached tenants in need. Still, even if all the dollars allocated for rental assistance were currently in the hands of renters needed, it still wouldn't be enough. As Urban Institute researchers concluded that $50 billion is the minimum needed, and a CityLab report suggests that it could be over $70 billion. This may lead you to ask, how do we fix it? The answer is the cleanest solution would be a government finance loan program that would benefit both tenants and landlords. It needs to be federal at this point. Only Washington has the scale and scope to head off a crisis whose costs have been the potential to tick down tens of billions of dollars with far-reaching long-term impacts to renters. It needs to provide landlords an immediate guarantee of the recovery of a substantial portion of the back rent so the rental market will stabilize. And a loan program, rather than rental assistance for tenants or landlords, solves several underlying issues. Tenants do owe back rent, and to pretend otherwise would invite moral hazard on a huge scale. It's more politically viable in part because directly footing a future bill that remains unknown would leave American taxpayers with additional COVID debt beyond the direct cost of the pandemic. This crisis is hitting Portland hard, along with a couple other factors. Portland landlords, many of whom are seeing higher property taxes because of a recent reevaluation, are at odds with the city over whether the new rent control ordinances allow them to increase rents this year without first getting permission from the city's rent board. The recent property tax reevaluation, along with reduced rental income, is hitting landlords really hard. As of August 11th, landlords had received $55.6 billion from the state through the Landlord Compensation Fund to cover the missed rents of tenants who have struggled to keep up with payments during the pandemic. That's roughly 46% that Oregon has already committed. The top 25 markets for forecasted multifamily rent growth have been released. The multifamily sector continued to look strong in July, according to the latest report from the data released by Yardi Matrix. The firm's data showed that on a national basis, multifamily asking rents grew by 8.3% year-over-year in July to an average of $1,510 a month. On a month-to-month basis, average rents nationally went up 1.8%. Based on trends so far, Yardi Matrix researchers have updated their forecasts for which markets are likely to see the greatest growth. 
in asking rents between August and the end of the year. Portland made number 11 on the list with year-over-year rent growth of 9.6% and a forecasted rent growth by year-end of 9.1%. Seattle was number 21 on the list with year-over-year rent growth of 4.8% and a forecasted rent growth for year-end of 7%. New data from the 2020 census illustrates the lack of housing production in Oregon and Washington. The U.S. population grew by 7.4% and the housing stock only grew by 6.7%. The public manages the 0.7% gap by increasing the number of persons per household as tenants take on roommates or as younger adults live with their parents longer. In short, we do our best to adapt to the housing shortage. However, in Oregon, the population grew 10.6%, but the housing stock grew only 8.2%. The 2.4% gap in Oregon suggests a more significant stress than experienced elsewhere. In Washington state, the gap was larger at 3.6%. In the long run, the lack of production raises costs and leads to people and businesses moving to other places. Building more housing units requires easing zoning and land use constraints and providing infrastructure to facilitate development. Over the years, Oregon has done a good job of promoting high-density apartments in the urban core and accessory dwelling units, but is now taxing new apartment construction with inclusionary zoning and other regulations, plus maintaining a rigid urban growth boundary that prevents new master-planned suburbs from being developed, and we're woefully behind on building new highway capacity. It will be interesting to see how Oregon handles this in the future. The 2.4% gap in housing may even get worse in the future if we don't build infrastructure and ease limits on the urban growth boundary. Construction spending rises as building materials return more costly. U.S. construction spending rose 0.1% in June, or more than 8% from a year earlier, according to the Commerce Department. Even though lumber prices have recently declined, the National Association of Home Builders says builders are facing some of the fastest rising increases in history for other materials. Building materials have increased 13% year-to-date compared to a year ago. Gypsum products were up 2.5% in July, 15.8% year-to-date, and 21.7% non-seasonally adjusted over the previous 12 months the largest growth since 2006. The price of steel mill products climbed 10.8% in July after a 6.2% increase in June. These prices have more than doubled over the past 12 months. Prices for softwood lumber decreased 29% on a seasonally adjusted basis in July, the largest monthly decline since 1947. Still, the materials price index remains 71.9% above the January 2020 level. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with a new edition of Multifamily Market Watch. Be sure to check out our most recent HFO TV interviews. The next will be an interview with Michael Havlick, discussing Oregon legislators' approach to the housing laws in 2021. HFO TV interviews are on our website or our YouTube channel. You can always stay up to date on multifamily news throughout the week by visiting or subscribing to the Northwest Apartment Investor blog available on our website. Thanks for listening and talk to you next week. Stay in the know with HFO. Listen to podcasts, read the latest news, or watch exclusive HFO TV interviews. Connect to our blog, podcasts, or video interviews directly from our website at hfore.com.